Have you been just channel surfing sometime, just looking for something to watch? You know, you're kind of flipping through and say, with all these channels, there's nothing good worth watching, right? I remember doing that one time, and I stumbled upon a documentary about an expedition to the top of Mount Everest. And I don't know why, I just landed on a channel, and I watched it for a while. You know, and my idea of a hike is to hike, takes about an hour, you get to the top, you eat something, and then you come back down, and you're done, right? Now, these guys, they start out from base camp. And they climb for days. They get from one spot to another to another. And finally, after like a week's hike or something, they get to a place where they're finally at a camp where they can attack the summit, if you will. And I kind of think that's where we're at right now in this journey that we've been on. We've been, we've been climbing a mountain towards the summit, if you will, of God's greater for us. And we're finally at a place where we're at a camp where we can attack the summit and really get to the place that God has for us. But I think it's helpful for us to, to pause for just a minute and kind of review the journey that we've been on so that we can have a sense of confidence about breaking from that final base camp, that final camp and, and going for the summit. And I'd love it if you had your Bibles to turn with me to John chapter 14. I want to reiterate my challenge to you to try to memorize these three verses. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. You know, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. And even greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified. Whatever you ask in my name, if you ask me anything in my name, I'm going to do it. Our text today is on page 916, and I'd love for you just to keep it out in front of you. I've given you a bunch of other scriptures that are laid out for you in our, in, in our worship guides that you'll be able to use as you go through the journey. But let me, let me kind of review where we've been in this journey. Where we started out about a month ago was we agreed as a church to suspend, if you will, the, the kind of the, the conclusion that we've drawn that our faith is really designed just to be kind of a crutch to help us get through life. Life's hard. We've got problems with people, problems with our jobs, problems with money, problems with our health, problems with everything. And so our faith is there just to kind of be a crutch for us to get through. And I think in many ways the evil one has kind of sold that message to the church that our faith is there somehow just to kind of prop us up and to hold us so we don't totally fall apart. But when you read this kind of a passage, where Jesus is offering consolations, if you will, to his disciples about the fact that he's getting ready to leave them and ascend into heaven, you know, that he promises, you know, I, I, I'm going to go and get a place ready for you. That's at the beginning of chapter 14. Then he has the promise of this, these greater works, and then he promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and part of what he's saying is, I don't want your faith to just be a crutch that helps you limp through life. I'm giving you faith. I'm allowing you to enter into relationship with me and giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit because I want you to experience God's victory right now. I want you to experience God's best on the planet right now. And so we agreed a number of weeks ago to say, okay, we're, we're just going to suspend this conclusion. And what we see is a lot of evidence that says that our faith is just there to kind of help us limp through life without falling apart. And to say that actually God's got something greater for us. 
Now, the next lesson we learned was this, that the reason Jesus is interested in doing greater works through us is because even though he's in heaven, he still has a passion to glorify the Father. It's not about saying, I want my people to be, you know, the most amazing people. They're going to get stuck on the, on the cover of Time magazine. They're going to be interviewed on Oprah. And, said, you know, my people are going to be the, the, the limelight. That's, Jesus had a passion when he was on the earth. And he still has the passion now that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father that he wants to glorify the Father. And because of that, he's interested in doing greater works through you. See, greater works, we often think, well, that's about me. Well, actually, greater works are really about Jesus, right? And so we accepted the fact, well, all right, I'm not that great. I don't have a lot of abilities, I, I, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm not that impressive. There's a lot of people who are more skilled than me. But Jesus is interested in doing greater works through me. That's an amazing thing. Then we recognize that this word believe is pretty important in this passage. I assure you the one who believes in me will do the works that I do. This isn't just kind of ordinary faith. You know, like I, I kind of always believed in God kind of thing. In, in fact, in many ways, a lot of us, our faith is really rooted in the fact that we have great confidence in what God can do for us after we die. But in terms of God being able to do a lot of things in our lives right now, we're pretty skeptical. Because circumstances are pretty powerful, right? And, and, and I, I'm not all that strong. And what we discovered is that if we're going to have a belief that really unleashes the greater works that Jesus wants to do to glorify the Father, we have to have a belief in a God who's big enough not only to change our future, but he can also change our present. So that we are not victims of our circumstances. And that we experience this greater strength within us. We also recognized, kind of looking at the life of Elisha, and looking at the life of Abraham, and looking at the life of Peter, and at one experience in Peter's life that, you know, in order to live the greater life, it means you have to be willing to leave the lesser life behind. The phrase we used was, you can't walk on water unless you get out of the boat, Right? You know, you can't walk on water unless you get out of the boat. Now, we're talking about real water. We're not talking about ice. We're not talking about ice that has some melted stuff. We're talking about real water, and you can't walk on water unless you get out of the boat. Many of us, the reason we struggle to move into the life that God has for us is because we're still holding on to the past. We, Abraham had to get up and leave his home, his country, and his family. Elisha burned up the oxen and the yoke. There was no turning back. All the bridges were gone. Peter climbed out of the boat and began to start walking. If we're going to move forward and God's calling for our lives, we have to be ready to leave the past behind. Well, last week we asked this question. If I get out of the boat, how do I actually walk on water? It's probably a pretty good thing. Because if you don't know how to walk on water, you ought to take a life jacket with you, right? Because <laughs> you're going to say, so how, do we, how, how is it that we actually get to walk on water? How do we live this greater life? And we took our cue from the text. Jesus said, whatever you ask for in my name, I'm going to do it. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The way we live the greater life is we ask God for it. 
We ask God for it. You know, James says, we have not because we ask not. And Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. And so now we find ourselves at the base camp, looking at the sun, I mean, at the, at the, the, ba- the, the camp that's ready to, from which we can ascend to the summit. And all that's left for us to do is ask God for greater living. All, that's all that's left for us to do is ask God for greater living. Now, if you don't want to ask God for greater living, there's not a whole lot that I can do for you or the scriptures can do for you. If, if, if you just, I like life the way it is, I don't want it to change, I want to be in control of it, etc., and I just want to stay where I'm at, there's not a whole lot that any of this is going to do for you. But if, if you want to experience the victory, God's best for you, even in the midst of this life, we have to be ready to ask for it. Now, so there was an experience in the life, a couple different times in the life of Jesus, and I, I often think about this if it had happened to me. You know, um, there was one time Jesus was moving into the city of Jericho, and there was a, a, a group of um, lepers who were off in a distance yelling to him, Jesus, and people tell him, be quiet, you're making a racket or whatever. And, and finally Jesus looks and he calls to them, and he says, what is it that you want me to do for you? You know, there was another occasion where he was entering into a city and there was a blind man sitting on the same side of the road and he was doing the same thing. He was calling out to Jesus and the scripture says that Jesus stopped. He looked at him. Of course, the blind guy couldn't see him, right? And he looks at him and he says, what is it that you want me to do for you? And I think in a very real way, and I, I'm not trying to create melodrama or any of that kind of stuff, but I think in a really real way that Jesus is looking at us and say, what is it that you want me to do for you? He's asking that question of me. He's asking that question of every single one of you. So, so w- what should you ask for? What should you ask for? And, and this is where we kind of struggle a little bit because we know that, you know what, put it this way. This is, this is the way I feel. I don't want to ask for something and it doesn't happen. Because that kind of be a bummer, a big letdown, right? You know, I mean, you, you've done all this kind of stuff and you start heading for the summit and you break your ankle and you can't get there, right? You know, it's, you, you know, what can you ask for? I mean, we know that in, in, in we look at the book of Acts, I mean, the church prayed for Peter to be delivered, and he was, but then James died just like that. Well, why one, why not the other? You know, you pray for, you pray for friends who are in financial crisis, and they're about ready to lose their house, and one kind of has a miracle done, in their, and they get to save their house, and the other one gets foreclosed on. Why does that kind of stuff happen? And what we're trying to draw back to is when we ask for things that are in the name of Christ, meaning that we already know that Jesus wants to answer these prayers. Those are the kinds of prayers that we need to ask in order to experience greater living. I'm not saying don't ask for the other ones, but ask for the things that you know that Jesus is already ready to give to you. We've looked at them somewhat in the ideas of reach, connect, grow, and serve, that these are the things that are always on the heart of Christ to reach people with the good news, to connect them to his body, to grow them up into everything he has to offer them and for them to turn around and serve the world in his name. Those are things that Jesus is always, 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 do I need to say it again? Always ready to answer. But let me give you a couple of ideas for yourself. Just big general categories. Because if you're going to make the ask, right, I mean, it's, Jesus isn't like a genie. He says, okay, you get three wishes and that's it, you're done. 
and no asking for three more wishes. That doesn't work. You know, it's, I know it doesn't go that way. You can ask more, but boy, I got to tell you, if you're going to take this first step, you really want to ask for stuff that's going to make a difference. And let me give you just a couple broad categories. Ask God for something that's going to enlarge his spiritual imprint with inside of you. Ask God for something that's going to enlarge his spiritual imprint inside of you. I've given you just a whole bunch of sample prayers from the New Testament. Let me just read, read a few of these to you. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 16, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Remember, this is, a, this is a church that Paul had a very special relationship with. He spent a long time planting the church in Ephesus. This was a church that was solid, a church that Paul never had any problems with. He, he had a deep affection for this church. And he says, and he's writing to them, he says, listen, this is the way that I always pray for you. I pray that he, that's God, may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man. You want to pray for something? Pray for God to strengthen you down in a place where nobody else sees so that you can actually be like Christ on the inside like on the outside. He says, and then I pray that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through praise, faith. Pray for God to deepen your faith, to enlarge your faith. Say, God, I, I want to have a stronger faith next week than I do today. And the week after that, I want it to be even stronger. Pray for God to deepen your faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love. When, when, was, when was the last time you prayed, God, j just give me a greater ability to love my enemies? to love those people who cut me off on the road, the, the people who annoy me at work, you know, the people who let me down. Tremendous prayers. God, give me an ability to love like I've never had before. Jesus is always answering, ready to answer that kind of prayer. And he prays that you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses all knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You pray for God to fill you up and to push everything else out and away from your life that hinders him being full in your life. Jesus is always answered, ready to answer those kind of prayers. There's more on the backside, all right? So flip over. A couple more prayers. The book of Colossians. Peter's writing to this, Paul's writing to this church at Colossae. And he says, we're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Some of you, one of the most powerful things you can do today is to say, God, I need to understand your will more fully. Show me your will more fully in terms of the way I need to be living in my home, my workplace, my neighborhood, my school. God, just show me your will and let me understand your will. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3.10 as Paul says, we pray earnestly night and day to see you, to see you face to face, and to complete what is lacking in your faith. He prays that their faith might be complete, filled up, nothing missing. I might characterize that as that there's a combination of character, spiritual character, and spiritual commitment. Great thing to pray for. Notice in 2 Corinthians 13, 9, we pray that they become fully mature. You know, there's a lot of wonderful things that you and I could be praying for in terms of God enlarging our spiritual imprint. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. 
This is your moment. Jesus is looking at you and saying, what do you want me to do for you? Because whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. If you ask for in my name, I will do it. What do you need to ask for God to do in your life to enlarge your spiritual imprint and who you are? You know, for some of us, we just need to ask God to give us a love for God's word that we don't have. Some of us, we, we talk about being people of the book, but we, never, we can't even find the book, <laughs> you know, in our library. Some of us need to just ask God to give us a love for his word. Others, we need to ask God for purity. You know, as a part of our men's retreat, we looked at some of the things that shatter our relationships. And it can be things like addiction. And it can be things like pornography and inappropriate relationships. And the statistics related to pornography in the, in, by men, the use of pornography by men, and by w- even now growing among women is just horrific, inside and outside the church. Some of us, we just need to pray to God for purity. That God would just take away that appetite in our lives. Some of us need to pray for forgiveness. We need to ask God to forgive us and to place our faith in Christ as our Savior for the very first time. Some of us need to ask God to give us the ability to forgive other people. Because the thing that's holding on to us is the fact that we're still mad at the people who have hurt us and let us down. We need to be asking God for those things in our lives. Some of us, our lives are dominated by fear. We can see everything that can possibly go wrong, and we're paralyzed in the moment. And we need to ask God for courage to overcome that fear. You could go on with things like anger, and some of us know, you know what, I've been here before, I've done this kind of thing, and it just, and I, and I don't know, it just got off the radar. You know, we just know, you know what, I'm going to fail at this again because I'm just not good at sustaining commitment. Well, guess what? Ask God to give you the ability to keep your commitment. You know, I thought a lot about what I'm going to ask God for. And at one point, I was pretty convicted I was going to ask God to free me from gluttony. But I don't have quite enough faith to get there just yet. So I thought I'd start with something different. And, you know, and really, uh, I, I'm, I want to ask God for just a deep inner purity. You know, in the places where nobody else sees and the things, the thoughts that I never put into words, I want those things to be Christ-like as well. You know, I have a confession to make. You know, there, there, there are times when, when, you know, on the outside, I can look like I'm really trying to be gracious and edifying. So on the inside, sometimes, you know, when, 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 you know, we have a family that's been active in the church and, and all of a sudden they just, they just stop coming because they like reading the paper on Sunday morning. It, it ticks me off. It ticks me off, you know, and, and, and I, get, I get angry that now, now I've got more work to do to go reach them. And that's not God honoring. And I need to clean some of that stuff up. And the list could go on and on. But just deep down inside, I, I, I want to be Christ-like on the inside, like I look on the outside, just to have a deep inner purity. The other area where you can ask God for is to ask God to enlarge his spiritual imprint on your world through you. Every single one of us has a world. Nobody else lives in your house or apartment but you and your family. Nobody else has your job slot for whatever company you're with or you're self-employed except for you. You you have a unique relationship network. 
Because there are people in your network that aren't even in your spouse's network that you have relationships with. Every single one of us has a world that belongs to us. And if you ask God to increase your impact spiritually on that world, he wants to answer that prayer. He wants to answer that prayer. And that's another prayer request that you could submit to God. As we leave the the camp and start moving towards the summit, you can say, God, use me like you've never used me before to make a difference in the world. I've given you some examples here from the scriptures. You know, in in Acts chapter 4, this is right after Peter and John got threatened by the Sanhedrin. They said, you know what? There's a miracle that's been done. We don't really like it. We don't understand it, but everybody's excited about it. There's nothing we can do to you. But I tell you what, if you teach in this guy's name again, we are going to beat the crap out of you. And they go back, and this is the prayer they, they, they pray. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your slaves may speak your message with complete boldness. God, you know, it's getting harder. Give me more boldness. That, that's the prayer that Jesus wants to answer. And then they go on to say, you know, Lord, stretch out your hand and for healing and signs and wonders. God, let there be evidence in my life and the things that I do that this is clearly of you. This is a prayer that Jesus is ready to answer. Clearly ready to answer. Paul, as he was writing to the Romans, he said, you know, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them, and that's a reference to the nation of Israel, to Jews, is for their salvation. You pray for the people in your world to come to know Christ, God's eager to answer that prayer. You want to start praying for a people group that doesn't have the gospel in here? God's interested in answering that prayer. But I just got to tell you, like Paul, God's going to want to use you as a part of answering that question. Sometimes we, we, we want to say, Lord, I, I want all my coworkers to come to know Christ, but God, I don't want to say a word to them. So you need to send some more Christians to my company. So they can do the work. It doesn't work that way, <laughs> you know. It doesn't work that way. Paul prayed for the Jews to come to know, and every single time he went to a city, he started preaching in the synagogue first because he's asking God to answer his own prayer. Use him as an answer to his prayer. We, we can pray for other people to come to know Christ. Look at Ephesians 6. He's, 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 he's praying for, for them, right? He's, he's ta- writing to the Ephesians, and he says, says you know what, and I, I'm asking you to pray for me. And this is it, that the message may be given to me. Lord, just pray that God would give me the words to say. Good prayer for any of us. You know what, sometimes I I can think about, I was in this conversation with somebody at work or in my neighborhood or with one of my kids in the car, and and I just got dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say. I wasn't prepared. Great prayer. God, give me the words to say to articulate who you are. And sometimes we have to work at coming up with those. But God can do it. Look at the Thessalonians. He says, you know, Father, you know, Lord, j- just pray that the message would spread rapidly. You know, just pray rapidly. You know, I, I got to tell you, a couple years ago, I was praying that Hope Chapel is a, as an indication of the way that God was using it to make a difference in our community, that we'd see 52 baptisms in a year, in 52 weeks, one baptism a week. We didn't get anywhere close to that. I, I don't even know if we had 30 that year. Praying for the message to spread rapidly. Incredible thing. Colossians 4, you know, Paul's writing to the church of Colossae. He says, you know what? Just pray that God would open a door for us. You know, just 
just open a door. God, show me which ministry door you want me to step through. Which avenue do you want me to take? How do I make this work? Just open a door. Great prayer to pray. You know, I thought about this one a lot for myself as well. And God led me to, 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 to ask for this. You know, for a long time, we've thought and prayed about how, I mean, God seems to have opened up a door to us in a region to our north and our east of us where we have a concentration of families. And, and, and we've really thought about how is it that we can help those families? How can we as a church take greater, greater spiritual responsibility for that area? We've hemmed and hawed and kicked it around. And my prayer to God is, God, show me and use me to lead Hope Chapel to take advantage of that open door that you've given us in that region. And I tell you, part of my fear is that that means I, I, I might have to start working on Saturday night or Sunday night doing services. And I don't want to do that, to be honest with you. So you can pray for me. <laughs> you know, but this, we're at the camp. The summit is there. What are we going to ask for? What are we going to ask for? And this is your moment. My moment is your moment. Nobody else can ask for you. And we're going to give you that chance to do that. We're going to give you that chance to do that. Here we are at a moment where Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm still interested in glorifying the Father. You're my people. I want you to have the kind of faith where you ask me to do greater works through you. Take on greater living. So what are you ready to ask for today? It's 10 minutes to 10. We've got 10, 15 minutes left in our service. We're going to spend the majority, we're going to spend almost all the time in the rest of our service just singing. We're going to have an opportunity for you. In every single one of your bulletins, you have a couple of red cards. Just like this. If you didn't grab a bulletin on your way in, we have some extra cards right here on the, pla on the, on the thing. Here's, wh here's what I'm asking you to do. This is between you and God, okay? There's two cards here. One is for you. Fill them out the exact same way. One you keep. Put it in your purse, put it on the visor of your car, put it, you know, put it on your mirror in your bedroom, stick it in your wallet, whatever works for you, just stick it there. Some place that reminds you, say, God, this is what I'm asking you for. This is what I'm asking you for. This is what I'm asking you for. The other one is a symbol of kind of offering our prayer up to God. We're going to do it the old-fashioned Rwandan way. We're going to invite you just to come forward as we're singing. As you're ready, it might be in the first song, it might be in the last song, it might be after our service is over just to come and to place it in the basket and, and just lay it on the altar of God as a symbol of presenting your prayer request to God. Now, I realize that for some, there's a place for you to put your name. I and the elders would love to have the opportunity to pray for you by name for the things that you're asking God for. Some of you are maybe asking for some things that you're not quite sure you're asking other people. You don't want other people to know yet. Just don't sign it. Or if you want it just to be where I know or George knows or somebody else on our staff knows or just a single elder, put their name on the bottom of it and we'll make sure that they're the only one who gets the information from that card where they can be in prayer with you. But don't let that stuff be your hang-up. Just, just don't, to take the step forward. Now, I know the worship team's going to be up here singing. You think, well, when are they going to put their cards in? Well, they're going to do theirs in the second service because they've already heard this sermon now, right? So when I preach it the second time, they can daydream out, figure out what they're going to put on the card, and they can put it in the basket at the beginning of the second service, all right? Don't be in a hurry. There should be pens there. If you don't have a pen, we'll 
steal one from somebody else, I'll give you just, you know, uh, already give you forgiveness for stealing somebody else's pen. And just take a moment and, and but this is, ask God for something that's going to release his greater in you. Let's just have a word of prayer. Any, any questions? Did I explain it well enough? All right, let's pray. God is the creator of history. You create moments of opportunity. Like when Joshua said to the people, they have to choose today who they're going to serve. God, we're at a moment of choice. And Father, we pray now for clarity and for discernment and for wisdom and asking you for the things that are going to release your greater in us. God, we don't ask for our own glory. We don't, we're, we're not asking so that our lives might become more comfortable. God, we're asking today so that your name can be honored and glorified and lifted up in our world. So, Father, we, we hear that statement of that father who was asking for the healing of his son. You know, Father, there's, there's many of us right now are just a little bit of trepidation. We believe, but we struggle with our unbelief. God, give us the faith to climb out of this camp and ascend to the summit of the victory that you have for us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our worship team to come, and they're going to lead us in several songs. And you're welcome to sit, stand. You can fill your card out right away and bring it up, or you can wait until the last song. Um, I will kind of cue the ushers when we're ready to receive our offering. But take the time. This is, this is an important moment. Take the time. That's why we're setting aside some minutes for you to do this. Take the time. Make sure you pr present your request to God. Let's, let's just start into our time of worship.